Jonathan Hood for DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. It's America's top-rated sportsbook for a reason. They offer nearly limitless ways to bet from live betting to prop betting. They got it all at DraftKings. The official sports betting operator of the Chicago Cubs is bringing you closer to the action with a 50% boost on your winnings on any baseball bet placed. Taking advantage of this profit boost is pretty easy. All you got to do is place a bet on any baseball game, and if that bet hits, DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook will give you a 50% boost. So whether it's Major League Baseball, whether it's the NBA playoffs coming up, check out DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Head to the top-rated DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook app now and claim your 50% profit boost. Place any baseball bet if that bet wins. DraftKings will boost your winnings by additional 50%. For a limited time only with DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Illinois only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. Slash Sportsbook for details. If you or someone else get a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. I cannot wait for you to go to DraftKings for the MLB, for boxing, for horse racing, and of course, with this being a basketball podcast, for the NBA or the WNBA. Check it out. DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. I'm excited because this is our year in review of the Chicago Bulls show, and we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs, a little bit of the MVP race, the Hall of Fame, and I'm going to talk to my friend Chris Bleck. Yes, he's back. Chris Bleck from Bleck and Abdallah on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app weeknights at 6. He loves ball like I love ball. We're going to talk about it coming up on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. I feel the most of some cars being dead in your first race of horses with the mix with cloud and sources on the cover of your vibes, double X cells and sources. So 
Uh, the show sounds great, and I, I'm glad that we can do this. Quite frankly, it's difficult for me to say, hey, Chris, jump on the podcast when you've worked 11 hours. Your show, Waddle and Sylvie Prep, and then trying to find a time to just relax. I'm thinking, you know... You, we got to find time now while you don't have a show tonight because of White Sox baseball as we record this on Monday night, uh, released on Tuesday for you to listen. This is great for me. This is great when you and I can get together and talk about the NBA. So at least you and I can look now at a 31 and 41 Bulls team. Now the season's over. Now, here's what I recall. I recall you believing that the Bulls can at least get into the play in game and compete and i said at the beginning of the season yeah this is kind of a season where you just kind of take a look and see what you have and i'll tell you just as you were surprised i was surprised as well chris in that this is not the guard packs regime where you just mold and shape you just wait for young guys to develop yeah the bulls are like f that i know that you guys can't play i want you off the team let's see what we have now so what are your thoughts on the season you know i'll wear it i i thought they should have made the playoffs uh, i was wrong and I still stand by the idea, though, that this should be uh, disappointing. I, I don't think anyone should look at this season as a success for the Chicago Bulls because, you know, you mentioned it up front, John, and the fact that there are the play-in games that will take place this week, it's not your traditional one through eight to make the playoffs. I would have been cool if they were the ninth seed, the tenth seed, uh, but to not even qualify – when the NBA allows teams that are not worthy of making the playoffs to be a part of a play-in tournament, mm -hmm. I think it's pretty bad. And, and I think, you know, for all the celebration of Zach Levine making the all-star team and Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley making that trade at the deadline for Vucevic, you know, like, I feel like a lot of the attention for the Bulls this season has been positive. And, and most of it is rightfully so, but then we have to also step back and look at it critically and say, hold on, if you're telling me they have two All-Stars, I know uh, Zach missed some games down the stretch, they have two All-Stars, and for the most part, the team was relatively healthy to their main players, I, I have to question how you can't even get into the play-in tournament, because there are teams who are not playing the play-in tournament, who deserve not to be there. Cleveland, Orlando, Detroit, and Toronto. Toronto was terrible this year. I, I, I would have expected the Bulls to at least make a step forward. And I feel as if in all of the celebrating of Zach Levine at the All-Star game, we kind of missed the big picture that Zach was putting up those numbers and the team wasn't, they weren't winning games to correlate with what we were, the praise we were giving him in the Bulls at that time. But don't you think that with the changes that were made by having a 20 and 10 machine like Vucevic, having Tice as a guy that, you know, just a nice role player, tough on the boards, to have Kobe White, uh, you know, looking at marketing, don't you think that that would have been enough to be able to get to the postseason with the changes? Because as is, that dog wasn't hunting. Yeah, no, you're right. You nailed it. I, I would have thought that with what they have on the roster, that young was great this year. Yeah. You know, Sam Ransky, when he had to start, I thought Sam Ransky was really good. Patrick Williams, even though if you look at the stat line, it's not that impressive, he gave good minutes when he was on the floor. He wasn't a negative player. And, and so you're right. You know, uh, look at Indiana. Yeah. Are, are the Pacers really that much better than the Bulls? They are not. You know, and, they're, and, 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 and they're in turmoil there in Indiana. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The coaching staff, they'll probably get fired this offseason. You know, I know the records show that the Pacers are three games better than the Bulls, but I would have guessed at the end of the year, to the way their season went, that the Bulls could have caught the Pacers, or they could have caught Charlotte. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, to me, it's disappointing, and and I'm not here for the, hey, I'm, I'm glad that the team kind of just finished the season. I mean, they're 10 games under 500. Uh, Zach Levine's an all-star, but uh, once again, it's not a winning season. Well, you know what you realize, Chris? I know this. I saw this from my TV watching Bulls basketball. When you saw the Bulls down, I mean, down big, and they kept digging back, coming th back in third quarters, coming back in fourth quarters, and then you find them falling short again. 
there's a couple of things that resonate with me. Number one, it's one thing to have Zach Levine scoring and to have Vucevic on the team, but it's, this team is dying for a lead guard. Not point guard, not the old school, I'm talking about a lead guard, someone that can initiate the offense. The other thing is, too, is that, when, you know, if you're Lowry Market and a Kobe White, dude, like, th- their benching is a complete culture shock to me because we're not used to seeing that with the Bulls. To see White and Markkinen, those guys need to maximize their minutes. If they got 15 minutes, they need to play harder. And I don't know what's going through Billy Donovan's mind or Carter Schilvers or Eversley, but if they see Markkinen and Kobe White as part of the future of this team, that's a problem. As far as meaningful, quality players that can help, I think that's a problem. It, it seemed to me, uh, and I know they talked about it on the broadcast last night, Kobe White did step up late yeah. here in the season, but... You know, to your point, as the problem to it, it it was a little too late. You know, like, some of the games weren't even uh, competitive or the Bulls really didn't have a chance to actually make the play-in tournament when Kobe White started to turn it You said that that's the thing that they need. I totally agree with you. I think also, though, he's not a player that we should just throw away. Like, if, if you and I were, were betting... I would guess that in five years, it would be worthwhile to have Kobe White going forward than it would Lowry Markkinen. I, I think Markkinen has been given the opportunities, and at every opportunity, he can pop for a big points per game every once in a while, but for the most part, he's a non-factor when he's on the floor. Uh, so, I don't know. I think both. I, I don't think that Markkinen will be back. I think Kobe White's the type of player that you have to try and continue to develop and try and continue to coach to hope that he turns into that third guard option who, if you have a lead guard, he can play off that guy, but also he can bring a scoring punch off the bench, which at times he was able to do. And I know he talked about the maturity of being bench and understanding that you can't just kind of allow the game to come to you. You have to make it happen as a, as a professional NBA player and just the day-to-day crime. Um, but I, I feel both of those players really let Bulls fans down this year. I don't think there's any other way to look at it. I think a lot of Bulls fans expected both of those players to take a step developmentally, and especially with this coaching staff with, Don, with uh, Billy Donovan. Were you surprised that the Bulls made the, de- the trades that they did at the deadline to get better? Because it was, to me, it was shocking. But we, but we come to find out how different this regime is. You know, Daniel Gaffert and some of these other guys that were promised playing time or thought they were getting meaningful playing time, they're like, no, we don't need you around here anymore. Um, it was shocking uh, because it's something that we're not used to. But it is kind of how they've talked the entire time that Karnaschovich and Eversley have been running this organization is that they want it to be a championship-level organization, and they're not going to go about it the Garpacks way of hoping and dreaming that these four-year athletes from Duke and Kentucky are eventually going to turn into something that they're not. So, like, yeah, surface level, it was shocking that they pulled off the move, but then as I started to think about it as the year went on, it was like, you know, AK told us, like, they're going to do stuff. And so I would expect, as we move this forward, like this summer, I would expect the Bulls to be very active. Uh, and, and they'll go and pursue a lead guard. I think, you know, we'll have to see how the playoffs kind of fall and, and what teams get bounced early and whether or not there's any more disgruntled stars out there. But I think the Bulls are set up in a good situation that they do have two guys who are all-stars and they have some young pieces to kind of manipulate a trade scenario if there is someone that becomes disgruntled this summer because their team gets bounced in the first or the second round and they no longer want to be where they're at. I, I think if we listen to AK and Eversley, they kind of told us this roster is going to get a makeover in the next year or so. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm totally good with that. And by the way, going back to your Kobe White point, I would agree that you don't have to put him in the in the ash can. I don't think that, that that's proper because if he provides a scoring punch, as we saw the last month, month plus, I'm good with it. If he's good with coming off the bench and getting starters minutes, I'm fine with that because it just seems like as a, as a starter, Chris, 
he just yeah. seemed like he was out of sorts as far as yeah. what, what am I supposed to do if if Levine has the ball in his hands the line chair at the time? What am I supposed to do? But coming off the bench and be like, hey, I need you to give me some buckets, he can do that. And so if you're if his if his lot in life is Lou Williams, that's not so bad. Yeah, no, no, you nailed it because you're right. When he would be in the game with Zach to start. It was like, am I supposed to defer to you, or am I supposed to be a playmaking guard, or am I supposed to just dribble it up and kickstart the offense and then go stand in the corner? Where then, when you're a player who's coming off the bench, maybe Zach is out some of those times, but also, if Zach's already in the game and he joins him, it's like, I'm here in the lineup now, I'm going to get mine, and like that's when Kobe White's at his best. You know, when he is able to use that dribble pop three-point shot or to hesitate and kind of get that defender off balance just a little, and then he goes right to the basket. Remember at the start of the season, the thing that, like, I was so excited about Kobe White was, like, in the first three games of the year, he kept attacking the basket. And that's exactly what a guy like that has to do. Because the moment the defender knows that you're going to go to the rim hard, then they're kind of on their back heels. That's when he could nail that three-point shot right in their eye and, and pull up, you know, from 34 feet. Like, like it all goes hand-in-hand, hand and I feel you nailed it. When he was told he had to be a facilitator, he was hesitant on offense, which then killed his entire game. All right, Chris, let me talk to you about some big-picture stuff in the regular season before we get into these playing games. So, you know, obviously – a little odd to be able to see these games and no fans. Then toward the end of the season, we started to see some fans around the country, which is cool. I, I enjoy seeing that. I'm glad fans were able to, you know, not full houses, but to be able to enjoy NBA basketball. And so that's, that's something that was odd that we had to adjust our eyes to going all the way back to the bubble. But the Knicks in the East just, of course, Tom Thibodeau turned the team around. And of course, they're number one defensive in a lot of categories defensively. I, it's, it's just, it's amazing to watch Tom with the Bulls, with Minnesota, and watching him with the Knicks. The thing that my takeaway from the Knicks is competent. They're running stuff, and they're running stuff for Randall, and it's like they're not embarrassing. That's what stands out to me the most with their number four seed. Yeah, they give good effort, and, and that's something that Bulls fans are well aware of. Tom Thibodeau teams give constant effort, constant pressure. And, like, there, there's so much about that that goes into being a professional NBA player and a good vet because, like, that's what Thibodeau is able to preach to his young players that's, that most vets know, but they, they kind of see because Taj Gibson and Derrick Rose and others who have kind of been around Julius Randle, when they're putting in that extra work, it's easy to then see a guy like R.J. Barrett improve throughout the year. And and I, I think it's just so obvious that a Tom Thibodeau team with some decent talent willing to work hard, because, like, here's the other thing. Someone called in the Waddle and Sophie today yeah. trying to trash Thibodeau because he didn't win in, in Minnesota. And, and it's like, dude, did you even watch the Timberwolves? Not only then, but how about now? Because Carl Anthony Towns may have the most talent in the league who gets the least out of what he has. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like what has Carl Anthony Towns ever done? He hasn't done anything. It's like maybe that was more about the young players in Minnesota who didn't want to work hard, and maybe Jimmy Butler was right than it was Tom Thibodeau, because I think Thibodeau's a great coach, and I think the Knicks are one of the best stories in the league this year. And I think it's going to be fun to see them in Madison Square Garden in the playoffs. It'll feel like the 90s, like like I love the NBA and the Jordan years. And I get that the Bulls are not good, but the NBA is better when Madison Square Garden and the Knicks are on the showcase. They're there, and, and they can be a part of the action. I, I think it's fantastic and one of the better stories of the season, the New York Knicks and Tom Thibodeau. So one of our favorite shows, The Levitard Show, c continues to make fun of that Jimmy Butler, Minnesota story. For those that don't know, 
like Jimmy Butler just kind of just came into the Minnesota, uh, you know, practice and it was like, I'm going to play with the scrubs, the bench players against Wiggins and Towns and all the starters. And he and, and I don't and the story keeps growing. The legend keeps growing of Jimmy never made a shot. He he made he was a facilitator, made the bench guys better. Uh, yeah. Jimmy Butler played with a Rolex the whole time. Uh, Jimmy, oh, no. Jimmy Butler was sitting in a chair and and, and was just passing from a chair, or oh, Jimmy, or Jimmy Butler played on Zoom and still beat the first time. I mean, it, the legend grows of exactly what what happened there. That's so great. But it's like ten choices of how did Jimmy Butler and bench guys beat Carl Anthony Towns, Wiggins, and the starters of this of that Wolves team, right? It just like it, it's just, <laughs> it, it's it becomes it's its own parody now. It's it's a, it's amazing because no one really knows exactly. What happened except for Jimmy saying, Hey, you're soft and I'm going to beat you with the reserves? It's just tremendous. Yeah, it's the legend of a dude who doesn't give a blank and, and putting it on young, entitled, millennial athletes who've been handed everything in their entire career because they were AAU stars, they went to Kentucky, they were the, the, the top players in college, and then they get to the league and they don't want to work. Like, that, that's what's so great about the Butler story. Um, can I ask you something about, about you? You mentioned the storylines throughout the league. Yeah. Um, I don't think this season was very good. Um, well, th- here's why. I- I'm going to guess probably because you look in the West and there's injuries with, with LeBron and AD with the Lakers. The season wasn't good because the nets were fractured. You couldn't get them on the floor more than 10 times in the regular season. Uh, this is a silver problem. Silver, yeah. silver wanted the Christmas money, right? He wanted yeah. the Christmas TV money. And so because you rushed everyone back, you had players on the injured list all across the league. When yeah. you want to settle in and watch the game, dudes were sitting out because they're supposed to sit out because the training staff told them that. So I can get where, you know, you can look at the league and say, you know what, it wasn't a great regular season. I agree with you. Yeah, you and I love this uh, this product in the, in the NBA so much. And it was tough for me to keep up with who was playing when, uh, which stars were sitting out. And I think that just – and you, did you see that the um, television ratings were down 13%? For the league here in the regular season i think that was in the uh wall street journal last week i i just think it it really made it difficult to tune in and to follow and i know like also with all the big names that moved in the last couple of years to their new teams it hurts also when you're trying to figure out who the hell the clippers are yeah but for half of the season paul george is not playing the other half Kawhi Leonard's not playing. You mentioned Brooklyn. You know, Brooklyn, their players play eight games together. They make that big deal early in the season. That was a big story in the league back in December. But but again, it's it's how do you kind of follow a team where the stars aren't even playing, who, who may very well be the best team in basketball, by the way. Uh, and then, you, you like, it, it's just a weird – it was a weird – season because it was so difficult to say okay two prime games on tnt oh wait uh no one's playing for the jazz and no one's playing for the clippers why why do i have to watch this and yet you end up watching it it's just it didn't it felt like a season that really um didn't capture the national attention like most nba seasons do well that that's a problem when utah's your best team I mean, like, like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to make fun of Utah. What I'm saying is that still in the NBA, it matters when the when teams are together for you to watch every night. Like, like I understand that we're in an era where some players are going to sit out uh, because they don't want to get injured or they just they're going to take their time. But the point is, though, Chris, is that you know, looking at the West, I mean, we had a, we got a playing game for the Lakers and Warriors when we usually see them at the top, right? Clippers, yeah. Clippers giving you meaningful basketball. Portland, you know, the, seeing uh, Pop on the bench, he's got to play his way into the tournament. The same thing with the Pelicans. We don't get Zion now. Uh, you know, Toronto is bad this year. And so the positives out of that is, well, you got a good Suns team. You got a, an, an exciting Hawks team with, with Trey Young, Collins, 
Uh, watching that Capella, Bogdanovich, all right, that's good. You know, the, you got some positives there. You got Russell Westbrook and what he's done, that's good. But as far as, like, the, the matchup that you want to see on Friday night, the matchup on Sunday ABC, you know, Boston's bad. That, they were unwatchable this year. And, yeah. so, and so there's certain things where it's like, yeah, Sixers are good with Doc, you know, the, the Bucks are the Bucks. But when you really want to lock in on, on Brooklyn, when you want to lock in on the Lakers and the Warriors, bad. Hard to watch. I get it. Hard, hard to watch. And then also, what was the other narrative that kind of started up early in the season? It was the wild scoring and just these scores up in the 140s, the 150s, blowouts every night. I mean, there. I know there was an article written. I, I can't pull... Um, where it was, maybe it was like 538 or something, um, like midway through the season, it was talking about this year having more blowouts than ever before mm-hmm. and, and kind of looking at the three-point shot and how a team can go up from 10 points to 20 in a matter of moments. And then, you know, the opposing team, yeah, they could theoretically come back easier. But in this 72-game schedule where it was a condensed season, and they're, they're resting players that, like, most teams are just packing in. And so, like, I, I feel like the story of the blowouts with the high scoring, you know the general public already thinks no one plays defense in the league, sure. which, which is just a tired, lazy assessment of NBA basketball. But it doesn't help when you're trying to get eyeballs to the television set and you see that the final score is 148 to 120. Um, that doesn't help anybody. And, and I, I think there's just the storylines, you, you mentioned a whole bunch of them that are good, and Utah being the best team in the league, here's what's crazy about that. You know, I, I love the metrics, and I'll look at offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency. Like, not only are they top five in both, they're, they're number four in defensive efficiency, they're number four in offensive efficiency, and they led the league in three-point shooting. Like, Hands down, you and I should be doing this podcast saying the Utah Jazz are going to win the finals because what we've learned in the NBA is if you can play top five defense matched with top five scoring, you have a star player, and if you're the best three-point team in the league in today's NBA, you should win the finals. And, like, that doesn't get anybody going. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, Like, all the stats point to Utah being the best team in the league. It, well, I mean, I'm looking for that that Utah Brooklyn, um, yeah. <laughs> that final. That very well could be the case. We'll see. I just like, and again, I'm not gonna, I'm not casting any aspersions on Utah because they've been interesting to watch. And probably, uh, I thought I saw it recently. I think Utah's been one of the healthier teams in the league. Yeah, outside um, of Donovan Mitchell in the last month or so, like, yeah, you're right. They, they've had everyone else ready to go. Okay, I want to ask you just a blanket question about Russell Westbrook. Uh-huh. This is something we haven't talked about in a while, you and I, because I, I heard Simmons and Rosillo go back and forth, about, and they really broke down Westbrook. And I'll just tell you first that, you know, anytime that you can get a triple-double, no matter if you think it's watered down or not, the dude is, dude is doing work. The problem is, though, is that he's doing work, but is there room for his uh, other teammates over the years to do work? So I appreciate this Hall of Famer, Russell Westbrook, putting up the triple-double. But as Rosillo was breaking it down on the on their podcast, Rosillo's like, yeah, you know, it, it, he says it's very difficult to break down Westbrook because there's so much positive, And then you get with, you know, two or three minutes left in the game where Westbrook does some crazy crap or just not very good defensively and just taking chances. He said he's just a, a really strange conundrum. A strange enigma is is Russell Westbrook as a player. So, I mean, I appreciate the triple-doubles. What do you think of him? Because the Wizards have a chance to get in the playoffs here. I, I tend to lean towards... I understand why people love talking about triple-doubles, but it's also kind of a random stat. You know, it's just three categories where you're putting up double-digit stats. And and sure, we, we can talk about how Oscar was the best at it, and, and Russ has now taken over that number. 
Um, I'd say this. You know how um, there may be a piece of art or there's something, a drawing, and you look at it originally and you, you don't really get it, and then someone points out to you uh, that that squiggly line is actually the chin of the old man, and then all of a sudden the nose and everything else starts to make sense. Have you ever seen those pictures? Yes. So, like, I, I read a stat from Mark Stein about Russell Westbrook, and it made me stop and pause and think, you know, maybe I should reassess my my dislike for the triple-double or my trying to discredit how impactful Russell Westbrook is. And then this is the set. Set is this. All of the triple-doubles that Westbrook has had in his career, do you know what the win percentage is for his teams in those games when he gets a triple-double? No. 74%. Mm. The Russell Westbrook's teams in games that he gets a triple-double have won 74% of their games. So, like, okay, we we can kind of look at it and be like, well, Kevin Durant was his teammate for many years. Of course they won a lot of games. Or James Harden was his teammate for many years. Of course they won a lot of games. But also, couldn't you look at it and say, if his teams in the games that he's getting triple-doubles are winning three to, you know, 75% of the time, three out of four. Like, don't you have to acknowledge that part of the reason to why they're winning 74% of those games is because of the stats that he's putting up that lead to that? Yes. Uh, You know, like, originally I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't care. It's just rebounds and he's pushing guys out of the way to collect a board here or he's he's hunting for the assist because he's no he knows he's one away like like i kind of felt that way until i i saw that stat from mark stein and i was like damn really he's won 74 percent of the games where he gets a triple double that's crazy i would have guessed it would have been somewhere around like 50 percent so so then, so then why did his teammates run away from him well, I mean, I, I, I think it's easy to knock his game because he can't shoot from three. Right. I, I, you know, to, to the Rosillo point, at the end of games, he takes bad shots. I get that. Yeah. Um, he's not, you know, if, like, you, you know how uh, Chris Paul has kind of entered a second run in his career now where he's, He's taken these teams that were not supposed to be playoff teams and he's turned them into something. Mm-hmm. Like, like if you put Russell Westbrook on the Bulls, are the Bulls a playoff team? Yes, they're a playoff team, but they're limited. Are they sitting exactly where the Wizards are? So they're in the play-in game, but they're not really a play playoff team? Probably so. I mean, th- think of the other six, right? Think about Westbrook on this team with Levine. Uh, and is Vucevic on this team too now with Westbrook? Yeah. Okay, so those those that's your big three then. Levine, Westbrook, and Vucevic, right? Okay. Are they better than the Sixers or the Nets or, or the no, Bucks? No. Okay. No. No. I mean, it's gonna be tough with the Knicks. The Knicks, by the way, the new grindhouse, by the way. They're the new Memphis. Yep. Um Are they better than Atlanta? I don't know. Uh Atlanta scores a ton of points. A ton. Yeah. yeah. Uh in Miami, well, I mean there's going to be a defensive presence there from Miami and Jimmy, uh, but that's that's the question. Yes, they are a playoff team, but they are not a contender. Is that fair? Yeah, I think it's fair, and I think the whole story of Russell Westbrook is he's clearly a Hall of Famer. He's a former MVP. He's won a lot of games, and he put up statistics that for now will go down as the all-time best. The, the, the difference is we have a group of young players, Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic, who put up triple doubles at a incredible pace right now. And I'm sure if we fast forward 10 years, Luka's going to be the all-time triple-double king. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't think Russ will hold on to the crown as long as Oscar did. Let's talk about some of these play-in games, uh, especially... 
on uh, on Tuesday, we we talk about Russell Westbrook. I think Washington could beat Boston. You talk about a bad watch. Chris Boyd, Boston, like, like I understand that Brad Stevens is not going to get fired. I understand that, and I know they got to get healthy. They need an identity badly, badly, because that used to be a team where fundamentally sound. They did the Princeton stuff. You know, it was it was a good watch, right? Good fundamental basketball, and it just came apart. Boston's just a bad watch. I think that Washington can go into the Garden and beat the Celtics. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I think um, if we are doing winners or losers for the NBA season, the Celtics are the biggest loser. Are you kidding me? You're you're in the playing game as the eighth seed yeah. in the East. Like you are supposed to be a championship contending team. Uh, I think it. You know, Jason Tatum. I'm surprised that he hasn't taken that superstar step. I think everyone assumed he would this year. I know it's tough that Jalen Brown went out at the end, but you're right. They're not tough. Um, I definitely think the Wizards can beat them. Bradley Beal said today that he's not going to be 100. percent He didn't play over the weekend, but he will play. I think Russ and Beal certainly could show out, and they could definitely beat the Celtics. In fact, I probably would lean, you know, taking the points in the in the Wizards, and then hope for the upset in that matchup. And as I look at the matchup here, the Celtics are two point favorite on DraftKings. Yeah. So, and the over under two hundred thirty two and a half. So I still would take the Wizards there. And with the other matchup is uh, with Charlotte in Indiana. So why, why, why can't Charlotte win this game? Is it because it's in Indianapolis? Because I think it's that close. I see it as a Pacers, a three-point favorite. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think the thing with the Charlotte Hornets is they were really hot for a while, and then it kind of started to decimate, um, which totally changed the way their season went. But... I think they could certainly win uh, this matchup. And, and the Pacers on the other side, they have had a dysfunctional season, especially for a team that, you know, I was high on them coming into the year. I love what they did last year. And I thought that they would definitely do a little bit more. I'm trying to look right now. Pacer win. Uh, win. So Charlotte won two of three against the Pacers in the regular season. Right. They last played uh, April second. Uh, the Hornets won one fourteen to ninety seven. You know, Miles Bridges had a good game. Uh, I, I think that they have more firepower than the Pacers do, and I think that should help them in this matchup. I, I think the Hornets win. I think the Wizards win. I think that's fair. And uh, that, excuse me for being the old man in the room. But I am a little salty that the the Warriors and the Lakers are at nine. Now it's fine for you, but a brother, but a brother got to get up at four fifteen. <laughs> no, I know. So I mean, I don't want to be Mad Dog Russo saying the you know the whole thing with the World Series being on at nine thirty, nine thirty at night on the East Coast. It's unbelievable. It's East Coast. Unbelievable. That, unbelievable. <laughs> that is I don't want to be that guy, but I'll be up to watch it because I mean, it's what the league the league. Chris, they really need a shot in the arm. And for it to be the Lakers and Warriors for a play-in game Wednesday at 9 o'clock Central, it's what really all eyeballs will be watching this. Such an epic disaster, though. You're right. All eyeballs will be on it. It is such a disaster that in two games, you might lose LeBron James or Stephen Curry. Yeah. The, the two names that people come to the television set to watch in the NBA playoffs yeah, I, I, listen, uh, like I said, I think the, the regular season has been terrible. I think the playing game thing is a complete joke. Uh, one through eight is the playoffs. This is all nonsense. You had 72 games to make the playoffs. If you couldn't get in in 72 games, sorry, Memphis, sorry, San Antonio, you're not in the playoffs. You're not playoff teams. I agree. Um, so, yeah, people are going to watch. Uh, personally, I will be rooting for Stephen Curry to go off and give us 50 and, and to get the Warriors locked in. And then I want to see LeBron and Davis have to scramble to stay alive to be the eighth seed, which would then set up the 
the Lakers, the defending champs, to have to open against Utah in the first round of the playoffs. The best team that's played in the entire regular season. I think that's great. Can I, uh, with, uh, and, by, the, and by the way, it's double elimination, right? The first yeah, round. So, so the way it works is 7-8, whoever wins gets locked in as 7. Then 9-10 play. The winner of 9-10 will, will face off against the loser of 7-8. So the team that loses between 7-8, you technically have two opportunities to play yourself in. Yeah. And, and so, like, and, and I think, you know, when, when you watch the Lakers this season, you notice that any, if a fly touches Anthony Davis, he, he acts like he's hurt. Well, you know, this? Well, that goes back to New Orleans, though. I mean, he was, yeah. I mean, I, 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 like every other game, he's writhing in pain on the ground. Yeah. Uh, it's just got to be a tough existence for a Laker fan because you don't know if he's like, actually hurt and it's going to ruin your season or if he's going to play like one of the top five players in the league and next thing we know we could be staying here a month from now and the lakers are in the finals you know the your, your mvp uh there's a lot of uh, choices for this you know the ebb and flow of the season was like oh definitely it's joel Embiid. oh no it's gonna be Giannis again no it's gotta be steph curry uh, no, it's got to be. I mean, it is interesting how it's gone back and forth of who could be MVP. So t- tell me why it's not Nikola Jokic. Uh, I would say it's not Jokic because people will vote for Stephen Curry. I, I think um, I was thinking through this today, Jonathan. If I had to submit a ballot, I think I would. I would submit it like this: Jokic won. Steph Curry, two. Yep. Chris Paul, three. Mm. Joel Embiid, four. Giannis, five. No Randall in that spot, huh? No Randall. That's tough. Uh, I think he'll get um, acknowledged on the NBA All-Team. Uh, I think he'll make one of the All-NBA teams, and I think that's worthy. Um, you mentioned uh, my support for Joel Embiid throughout most of the season. Yeah. I, I think if he would have played the full season, he would have been the MVP, but he only played 51 games. You know, Jokic played all 72. Chris Paul played 70. And and so then what do we do with Stephen Curry? Stephen Curry, to me, has been the best player. But his team's in the playing game. So don't we have to look at how good the season was for the Warriors compared to the Nuggets? And then say, okay, well, the Warriors dealt with injuries. Well, yeah, the Nuggets dealt with an injury as well. Jamal Murray went out, and he's not coming back, and the Nuggets actually got better. Uh, so then I, I also look at this situation, and I say, okay, Steph Curry missed 10 games. He played like 63 games, and he was able to get a team with a dead-ass roster. I mean, the Golden State Warriors have one of the worst rosters in the entire league. Yes. Because it's all top-heavy. And, and they need Steph and Clay to be playing at their best for the team to work. And Clay is obviously out for the entire season, back to back years. So, like, how do you weigh what Jokic did and where he got the Nuggets to what Steph did? And I think Steph's by far the best player in the league. And then you compare that to, like, Chris Paul, who Chris Paul has had a fantastic season. The Suns are second in the West, they won 51 games. So I would go Jokic one, just because he played the full season. He put up the stats, and he his team has the better record. Jokic one, Steph two, Paul three, uh, Embiid because he only played fifty one games falls to four, and Giannis had a great season, but the Bucks are what third in the East, right? You know, and, and also I know I know that people aren't going to vote for Giannis, so he's not going to win three MVPs in a row because it doesn't happen. Um, but that that's the way I would vote. How would you vote? I would go Jokic one, CP three, uh, two, Steph Curry three, Embiid, and then Julius Randle. Randle, yeah. I mean, you know me. How many years have we done this podcast? And, and I was begging for the Bulls to take a chance on Julius Randle. Oh, I know. Well, they wouldn't have known how to use him, though. 
Yes, he needed he needed Thibodeau. He needed someone to know how to use him. No, like like in this guard centric league that we cover, they would never use Randall up and under and him knocking down threes and that kind of jazz. They they wouldn't. The Bulls would not go to him like that to be a go to guy. Randall and you know obviously the Derrick Rose stories is tremendous. So like that's one thing, but Randall yeah. being utilized like this, oh my god! I mean, he's he, this is great. Yeah, I I think he's he, he, the Julius Randall New York Knicks story, and and you know mix in Derrick Rose and Tom Thibodeau. I mean, that's got to be top top two or three stories in the entire league this year. It's just it, it's good that they're back, and and Julius Randall is a dude who the skill set was clearly there. The Lakers messed around; they wanted to try and tank. They didn't really have the right pieces in place. And he moved on with his career, and he's flourishing. It's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Chris, I don't know. I mean, you're so busy. I don't know if you get this. I, I'm sure you get this on social media. I, I love when people come at me about the Hall of Fame to tell me who's <laughs> not a Hall of Fame and who is a Hall of Fame. It's so funny. Yeah. So we heard, and first of all, the, the Hall of Fame ceremony was terrific uh, with Kobe Bryant's widow Vanessa, Michael Jordan. I mean, that was just, I mean, that was yeah. great. The, the best of the best were there. I was happy on the women's side with Tamika Catchings getting, I mean, that was that was great. But this upcoming class, I love it, man. It's like turning the light on and seeing the roaches scatter, right? It, it is, it, it is, it's, it's hilarious. Chris Webber's in the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and people forget his bullet run. Chris Webber, Hall of Famer? Look up the stats. The dude was good with the bullets, with with uh, Golden State. You know, like he was a really good player. He did, and of course, his college career as well. The one year with the Fab Five, of course, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, you know, uh, you're going to do a lot worse sometimes. I mean, heck, Mitch Richmond is a Hall of Famer in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Sure. I, I thought if, if we were going to do this conversation, I thought the conversation was going to be about Ben Wallace. I oh, mean, it's coming. <laughs> I just, you know, like, okay, you, you really want to nitpick the credentials of Weber. He was only a five-time All-Star, but he was a five-time All-NBA player. So, you know, Rookie of the Year in 1994 – I think the the lasting memory of Chris Webber is two things for me. One, obviously it's the Fab Five and what he did at Michigan going to -to back-to-back Final Fours and that the way that their style and their play was a complete phenomenon. And maybe it's difficult for young people to grasp at what that was. But for a kid who grew up in the 90s, there was nothing cooler on a basketball court than having black shoes with black socks and baggy shorts. And that was all from the Fab Five, from Jalen, from Juwan Howard, from Chris Weber. And, like, he was able to immediately enter the league and be a force, like you said, with Washington and then with Golden State and the trade that took place. And then also the, the other part of the Chris Weber story for me is being the best player on one of the all-time – what-if teams with the Sacramento Kings. And those teams gave the Lakers with Kobe and Shaq everything they could. Those teams were so good. And could you imagine those Sacramento King teams playing in today's NBA with the three-point shot and Peja and Vladi and Mike Bibby and and just the whole thing. Like, those teams were so much fun to watch. And I think that's what I'll remember. I'll remember with Chris Webber was he was in his prime with the slick passing and the Jason Williams and the three-point shots and then standing toe-to-toe with Shaq and Kobe in their prime and just coming up just short but being right there. Yeah, so I'm good I'm good with Weber being in the Hall of Fame. Like, I, I don't agree with, oh, it's, it's about time. No, it's, it's Weber's time. Yeah, it's, it's Weber's time. Yeah. Weber does, Weber's not a broadcaster anymore, so he might as well go to the Hall of Fame. Okay, so <laughs> so that's fine. Now, Ben Wallace, let's get to that. All right. Um. Yeah, that's nonsense. <laughs> it's like like it, sh- uh, it shows you the basketball Hall of Fame. Chris is really the public toilet. Everybody can go there. Like it's like this is look a five time All Star. 
you know, I understand what Ben Wallace brought to the table, or a four-time Defensive Player of the Year, I should say that. Four-time Defensive Player of the Year, an NBA champion. Okay, then what? Yeah, it's... That's bad. You know, That's bad. When, when I heard it, you, you got to remember that Mitch Richmond is a Hall of Famer. I get it. Uh, yeah, no, I... Like, I, I guess my first reaction is, there re- was there really no one else to be a candidate that Ben Wallace is getting in? It's in it doesn't make any sense. Hall of, Fame, Hall of Fame person, Ben Wallace, yes. But, you know, as a defensive guy, my only memory of him with the Bulls is when he's with the Bulls, he didn't have the headband, and they dumped it down low to him in the lane. And he goes, what the hell do you want me to do with this? And kicked it out. Like yeah. he, he, did, he wanted nothing to do with scoring at all. You know, it, it just adds all the more proof that Dwight Howard will be a Hall of Famer. I mean, yeah. You know, like yeah. like for, for how much garbage Dwight Howard gets, rightfully so, he, he's going to get into the Hall of Fame. Sure. He's I, a three-time All-Defensive player. He's a three-time Defensive Player of the Year. He's an eight-time All-NBA player. Uh, he he will definitely get in. So, what did you think of Chris Bosh's name being in? You know, I, I like Bosh. I always thought that he didn't get enough credit because he willingly took a back seat. If he would have stayed with the Raptors his entire career, he would have put up gaudy numbers, which would have rightfully put him into the Hall of Fame on his own, but he chose to go pee a part of the Heat. And I feel like those, those Heat teams are, are were, were good enough and an impactful enough part of NBA history that having three players in the core make the Hall of Fame from those teams, because I know also Ray Allen will be a Hall of Famer, but Ray Allen was like an, an add-on at that point. Yeah. Um, I think Chris Bosh is a Hall of Famer because... You know, 11-time All-Star. Um, he was a two-time champion. If you stay with the Raptors, he'll have better numbers. But he, he sacrificed to be a part of something bigger. And I think that the, the NBA and the or the Basketball Hall of Fame definitely acknowledges those who are a part of championship, um, like dynasty-type teams, by, by giving them the credit because they kind of Sacrifice to be a part of something that was bigger. Um, yes, I, I, and so looking at this, Paul Pierce will be in as well. I love these former broadcasters getting the Hall of Fame. I love this. Pierce out of ESPN, Weber out of TNT. So, Paul Pierce, you booked Mike Gorman for me on those three or four hour Bulls weekly shows, right? When I would just talk about everything around the NBA. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. If, you, I, I don't know if you remember Mike Gorman, the voice of the Celtics, telling me. That if the Celts, it, it, and he called games way back, right, in the 80s. Sure. So he said that if the Celtics in his history needed one shot, he said it would be Paul Pierce. I'm like, wait a minute, really? Like, if, he, if the Celtics needed one winning shot, he said it would be Paul Pierce and not Larry Bird? I was like, I was floored by that. Paul Pierce meant a lot to the Celtics, clearly, and this is an NBA champion, ten, what, 10-time All-Star, NBA Finals MVP, yeah, he's, he deserves to be in, right? Yeah, I'm with, I'm with you on that. Paul Pierce, and, and certainly, like, throughout his career, he was one of those players that, like, put up a lot of good stats, but then as he got older, the clutch moments started to pile in, and, like, I'm sure if you cut all the highlights from those runs, you know, from, like, 2010, 2011, 2012, like, Paul Pierce made a lot of big plays when those Celtics teams were trying to win championships with that big three yeah. with Ray Allen and KG and, and Paul Pierce was really like the one that made it go. Like, cause at that point, think about it. Ray Allen is on like the downward slope of his career. He's no longer a lead player. Kevin Garnett, he was mainly a defensive star at that point. He wasn't really giving you the scoring that he did when he was with the Timberwolves. And Paul Pierce was a guy. And, and I think, he is absolutely a Hall of Fame type of player. Like, I don't have as much of a pause for, for Paul Pierce as I do, like, Chris Webber or certainly Ben Wallace. Paul Pierce is a Hall of Famer. No question. And so, lastly, Kukic, as they used to call him when he first got in the league, Tony Kukic, <laughs> right? Kukic in the lane. 
So, so let me ask you this: Without the international vote, is Kukoc a Hall of Famer? Because that's how he got in the international vote. Uh, no, he's not. Um, is Kukoc, is Kukoc overall a Hall of Famer? Yeah, he is. Um, because because it is the Basketball Hall of Fame, and what he did in the internet international game was incredible. I, I think the other thing to kind of consider is. Um, if you look at the Bulls dynasty, he will now be the you know third legit player to become a Hall of Famer, right? Because you got Michael, Scotty, Steve Kerr will be a Hall of Famer just because of the collection of championships as a coach, right? Right. So Steve Kerr will get there one day. Phil Jackson is a Hall of Famer. Um, Krause Hall of Famer. Yep. Rodman, a Hall of Famer, but Rodman, the majority of his prime was elsewhere. So he, even though he's a Hall of Famer, his best basketball years were not with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, so this will now give them a third person to be like the the key cog in those years as a star player, as a Hall of Famer. And I think the Bulls dynasty of the 90s does deserve that. You know, like, there's no one else from the, the original three-peep, the first three years, 90, 90, 90, uh, 1, 92, 93, there's no one that will make the Hall of Fame from that group. Um, so so I think it, I think when we look in, like, the historical context and we, we kind of compare it to um, what we saw from the Celtics of the 60s, what we saw from the Showtime Lakers, and then when we kind of look at, like, Golden State – if we're projecting out Golden State in, you know, 10, 15 years, you know, Steph, Clay, Draymond, probably Iguodala, they will all probably get into the Hall of Fame, plus Bob Myers, plus Steve Kerr. So, like, you know, the, the Warriors in the last five years, they'll probably get, like, six people total in. Right. So I think, the, I think the Bulls in the 90s deserve to have another person who was a prime player in that run actually make the Hall of Fame. Last thing, Chris, and this is was brought up by Evan Cohen from our company on his show on Sirius XM. So someone called the show and said, you know, knew about this list. And, and you know what? There might be some questionable, but I mean, I, I don't blink with this stuff because it's the Basketball Hall of Fame. And so it's, it's because they're doing stuff either as a player, behind the scenes. It doesn't surprise me. Um, and I'm not trying to throw anybody out, but this is an interesting topic. The topic that was broached this morning as I was driving in was, okay, so some of these other guys in the Hall of Fame, what about Robert Ory, right? Seven-time NBA champion, and the question was, who deserves to be in in as a player more, Steve Kerr or Robert Ory? Oh, it's Robert Ory, no doubt. I think that's easy. Robert Ory was the better player. Yeah, yeah, but, sorry, seven-time champion, right? I, I can't see that. That's the best Hall of Fame. If it's my Hall of Fame, I don't see a path for him to get into the to Hall of Fame because he was just fortunate to be a piece of each championship team. Not the reason for it, but a piece of the championships. And so that's, that's my whole thing. It's like, yeah, he's got a lot of championships, but was he the, the focal point of those championships? He was just in the right place at the right time. But Steve Kerr was like that as a player, too, because he's got five, right? Yeah, and, and I don't think Steve Kerr will get in as a player. I think he'll get in as a coach. But you're right. You know, the better player was Robert Ory. Yes. Um, he was like the third uh, fiddle on, on, on most of those teams, whether it be the Lakers uh, from like 98 to like 2003. You know, on, on those Laker teams, what, it was like him and Rick Fox coming off the bench. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, Kobe and Shaq um, and a couple, you know, uh, wasn't Horace Grant on those teams at, at a certain point, too? Yeah. I, uh, I, I think, like, um, Derek Fisher had more of an impact on those Laker championships than Robert Ory did. He just hit the big shots. I would say the same with the Rockets. I mean, the Rockets, Ory was basically like Scottie Pippen 2.0. You know, he just never hit the heights that Pippen did. But he was incredible. Defensively, he could hit the three-point shot. Um, and he, he could also pass. He had long arms as well. 
I, I don't think so. I, I I think Ori is the better player, but I don't think that he should just get in because he's on championship teams. He was never the second best player on any of these teams. It, it wouldn't surprise me if he's in. I just think it's funny. Like it was a good topic, but it's like it's, it's, you said it perfectly. He was always like the third fiddle on all those good teams. Good player, you know, decent player. But in my book, not Hall of Fame worthy. But in this Hall of Fame, and I'm not casting any aspersions on it. I'm just saying, like, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, because they celebrate all kind of greatness, no matter if it's mediocre <laughs> or or great, you know. Yeah, I, I guess I would ask, but like, what would your pitch be? Like, what team that that Robert Ory played on deserves more Hall of Fame credit? Would it be the Lakers run, that Lakers three peat that he was a part of? In, in like the early 2000s is, is that where you would say but like at that point Jonathan he was only averaging 5 points a game you yeah. know he's playing 20 minutes a night on that Lakers team in 2001 so like I, I find it hard to make the art like would you argue that the Rockets from in the early 90s where they won back to back titles do they deserve another person into the Hall of Fame I mean I just randomly pulled up the 2001 Lakers that won the NBA title. Yeah. Um, they won the title over the 76ers. He was on that team. Robert Ory was on that team. Horace Grant, Rick Fox, Derek Fisher, um, Shaquille O'Neal, Brian Shaw. Like, what, what would you say? He's the fifth, sixth, seventh most important player of that group? Yes, I would say that. And after his run with the, with the Rockets... A little bit with the Lakers, but then he fell off the table as far as games started. Yeah. Uh, and even games played in some ways, if you take a good look at it. Like, those Laker teams, after he's with the Lakers in his uh, fourth year, didn't even start. Yeah. No, you're right. So he, In 98, he started 71 games with the Lakers, but basically the rest of his career, he barely started 71 games for the next, what, 10 years? Seven rings, man. That's yeah. crazy! Like, you, what, it, well, congrats. That's what he gets. He got seven rings. He's he's got seven rings, and he belongs in someone's ring of honor, and not yeah. the Hall of Fame. That's what I would say. Yeah, big shot, Bob. Come on, everyone knows he's fantastic. He gets a separate wing for his seven championships. What is he, Bill Russell? <laughs> <laughs> and and by the way, they're giving Russell his flowers while he's alive. I love it. They're trying to find every way to put him in at all the halls of fame, like. You also are a great coach. Come on in, Russell, next year. Come on, Bill. You're, you, you got the, you got 13 championships, like 11 as a player, two as a coach. You're a Hall of Famer. Like, I love it. They're just trying to just throw all the flowers they can at Russell while he's alive. I think that's cool. It absolutely is. And you know my theory on this. I think the NBA is one of the rare sports where the founding fathers, the, the greats of generations before are still a part of the conversation a part of the game they're there they're attending games you see them on tv and the fact that we can still celebrate bill russell is just so cool because you don't see that in in the nfl you don't you know baseball tries to tell you about the history but you're not seeing willie mays out front center you're not seeing the faces of these greats from from past generations bill russell he he was doing his thing in the 60s you know what i mean and he's still a part of the the conversation when it comes to the nba and i think that's so cool well chris black i miss you this has been great to talk nba with you and and because um and because you know you're going to be preempted a ton here uh, with the NBA playoffs, I'll call you. I'll call you again. <laughs> well, I, I know. I, I would have never imagined that I turned into a, quote, tough book in the business. <laughs> well, very difficult, you know. But, uh, hey, man, because of the scheduling. Hard hat and, and, and the, the lunch pail and out there for, like, you know, clocking in for 11 hours. I mean, I, <laughs> uh, what, what kind of friend would I be? Be like, hey, uh, I know you've been working for 11 hours. Uh, let's talk NBA for an hour. How about that? Like, I can't. Yeah, why not? No, no, no. No, no. You got to watch the dog. You got the wife. It's not like, I, I, I am no prude. I'm not going to interfere in, in the little bit, the little bit of private time that you have because it's limited. <laughs> 
just appreciate uh, the chance to talk basketball with you. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's pretty funny how when we don't have the opportunity to do Chicago's College Tailgate, how we just like our paths do not cross anymore. No, but that's the business, though. But at least I know. No. We, at least I know your number. Well, yes, yes, and, and you have Danny to take care of. Um, take care of things in the morning yeah. with jr and and jeff so you, you've got uh people taking care of everything you need so you're in good hands yeah and i'm in good hands and my hair is graying faster than anderson cooper well uh well jonathan uh so, so is mine from a previous stint so i i totally understand <laughs> Well, that, I'll, I'll call you back because we got the more playoffs to talk about, and, and we'll see how this finals shapes out. But um, I appreciate it, and uh, let's do it again soon. Sounds good. I, I can't wait until we break down the trade deadline, and we can look forward to the NBA season heading into its final. Oh, it, hold, oh, hold on. Nope. We, all right. This is the first time we've, we've talked all season. <laughs> well, Chris Bleck, everybody, from Bleck and Abdallah, 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Hope that you've enjoyed the podcast. He's a tough book. So long, everybody.